0: So please now uh, join us either in your bulletin, up on the screen, or in your Bibles for the scripture reading. We'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, and then Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. Um, So starting Luke 2, 8 through 15. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, good will among men. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And now Philippians 4, 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Please pray with me. Uh, Dear Jesus, we love you this morning. Um, Father God, we are so grateful um, for what you've done and what you are doing in our lives. Um, Father, this morning I pray that you'd be with Brian as he speaks. Give him a spirit of boldness and truth. Um, Lord, soften our hearts to his message. Um, Let it be something that we meditate on, and let it be something that you use ultimately to change us, Lord. And to make us more like your son. Um, In this Christmas season, uh, we look at the manger, uh, we look at what the event of Christ's birth means for us and for our spiritual salvation. Um, And so, Father, with hope and joy and boldness, um, we thank you and we love you uh, and we praise you for what you did uh, and the plans that you are bringing to fruition in our lives. Um, Father God, bless this church community, bless this, bless this body. Um, let us be edifying and encouraging to one another, and let us share in this season with joy together. Amen. Thank you.
1: I forgot about one other announcement, but in the back there is a um, display of earrings and other things that a, uh, a local artist... Um, here in our church just wanted to to give away. So if there's something back that you'd like, that is just a gift to you from somebody in our church that uh, made all of that. So check that out in the back. All right, this morning we are talking about joy and peace during the Christmas season. And is it possible, is it attainable to have joy and peace in our lives during this time of year? And so we want to focus this morning. I wonder... Tom, can we button that one up? I'm sorry. All my stuff's going to blow away, if we can. Um, We are going to try to attain the elusive elusive things that we call peace and joy. And so this morning, I want to begin by a really interesting story that I came across, and maybe you've heard about it. And I think, uh, actually, it already nope, there it is. I won't read it all to you, but if you, maybe you've already read it, but it's on the bulletin. There's a really fascinating story, and it's kind of become known as the miracle on the Western Front. But this took place during World War I, one of the bloodiest events during the 20th century, when a truce was called for 24 hours where there was peace. And let me just read at the bottom. This is a quote from a German infantryman, and he described it this way. The English brought a soccer ball from the trenches, and pretty soon a lively game ensued. How marvelously wonderful, yet how strange it was. The English officers felt the same way about it. Thus, Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together as friends for a time. It's a powerful story. It's fascinating. You can check it out and learn more about it. But Christmas is a time of joy and peace. It's a time for the world to experience peace. On, uh, on Friday, I went and uh, visited the Veterans Hospital in West L.A. with my students, my 8th grade students, and I had some time to talk to some veterans. And I, I spoke with one for quite a while. He is a Vietnam-era vet, and he's in the hospital with liver cancer and he has um, a few months to live and it was it was a fascinating conversation that I had with him about peace and how knowing that he has a few months to live that he has peace in his heart that his that his relationship with God he felt was secure and safe and that despite dying He had a deep internal peace. Christmas is about peace. And what I want to focus on this morning is, if we go back to Luke for just one moment, that the elusiveness of peace and joy can be found. The Christmas story starts where we we read this morning with shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. And shepherds are maybe, to me, one of the most interesting characters in the christmas story just because they're just the regular guys in fact they kind of were the the guys that had the bad reputations in fact if you look historically there are accounts where their testimonies were not even allowed to count in a in a, a court of law because they were dastardly fellows and and it was them that the angels came and made this announcement it wasn't a king it wasn't a prince it wasn't the influential, popular people. It was just the regular old shepherds. Here's something that's fascinating. We're going to just look at one one phrase here. Move this down. And I want to draw our attention to this. First, the message says, this is verse 13, Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth... Peace and goodwill towards men. And that's what Christmas is about. It is about joy and peace. And look at the the response to the shepherds. It says, verse 15, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And that is the proposal to us this morning. Let us go and look and find this elusive thing that we all want called peace and joy in our hearts. There are so many opportunities in the world we live in to look for peace and joy in things in the world. But there's really only one ultimate source of peace and joy, and that is found in Jesus Christ. So this morning, we'll break this up into three different different areas. Number one, the elusiveness of peace and joy. What makes it so difficult to grasp? Why is it elusive? Why is there so much anxiety and stress, especially during the Christmas season? And number two, the characteristics of peace and joy. And then last, the secret to finding peace and joy. Okay, so number one, what makes peace and joy so elusive? What are the obstacles to knowing or experiencing peace and joy in our life? And number one, we, want to, we need to start out with this. We have to understand that we have enemies. That as a Christian, maybe, maybe we haven't thought about this for, very much, but when you are a Christian, you actually have enemies. We have three enemies. We have the devil, the world, and we have ourselves. Before you were a Christian, you had one enemy. He was, a, he was a loving, heavenly father. But according to God's word, according to Romans chapter 1, the Bible describes ourselves, our nature, as people who are rebellious towards God, that we want to live life on our own, that we have a natural bent towards our own selfishness, towards our own desire to be in control of life, to not giving that up over to God. But that one particular enemy, his name is God, is a loving, heavenly father that is pursuing us. First John talks about this great love that the father has for his children, a love that pursues, a love that takes initiative, a love that wants to heal broken hearts. But it's our own flesh, our own attitude towards that that resists that. I was thinking this week about a story that that stuck with me that maybe pictures this, about who we are before we are Christians and how we resist the loving Father. When I was about 10, 11 years old growing up in Washington, my next-door neighbors would take me fishing often, and we would go salmon fishing, and and uh, I can remember I'd, I'd wake up early in the morning, and we talked the day before about going fishing. And I wake up early in the morning and look out the window, and we had a paper mill in town where steam would come out of the stacks. So if the steam is going straight up, that means we're going fishing. If the steam is bent over, it means it's windy and we're not going fishing. Well, this particular day it was nice and calm and, and glassy, so we, we went fishing. And my next-door neighbors, they were uh, World War II era people, just salt of the earth good people. And I'll never forget, we we're fishing in an area called Point Wilson. This is in Washington state. And a swarm of seagulls are attacking a herring ball. And so what happens is all the boats would come along this herring ball and start fishing. And this one particular guy throws his, his lure right through the seagulls and actually snags a seagull. And it's all hooked and tangled up. And, um, the guy was kind of making light of it a little bit, and my next-door neighbors, the people who took me fishing, their names were Arden and Vivian, um, could see that this seagull was getting more and more tangled. And with a treble barbed hook, it could possibly mean uh, that the, the bird wouldn't survive. And so we, we're in our boat, and we get closer to it, and um, we, my neighbor, Vivian, she tries to grab the bird. All right, It's tangled up. And the bird begins to peck and scream and scratch and claw, trying to hurt the person who is trying to save its life. Right? That's a picture of us. God is pursuing us. He's loving us. He's giving his grace to us. And before we have that relationship with Christ, before our life has been changed by faith in Christ, that's the picture. And what happened was, finally, we get the bird in into the boat. And it's, like I said, it's pecking and scratching. And she grabs a hold of it. And Arden, her husband, clips the line and, and lets the bird go free. And, we ha- and this is completely irrelevant to my point, but it's kind of funny. He has the lure in his hand. And the guy in the boat, it's literally like, for me to the heater, it was like, hey, can I have my lure back? It's really expensive. And Arden, my neighbor, is like, yeah, sure, you can have it. And he goes to toss it, and he intentionally tosses it about two feet too short. <laughs> and says, you know, you just don't do that. You don't cast a treble hook into a flock of birds. Anyways, the, the point is, the, I knew you'd like that more than the point, probably. <laughs> but it was true, and it really happened. The point is, is that as believers... Your Heavenly Father loves you and is pursuing you. But once you become a Christian, you do have new enemies. We have ourselves. And maybe this has happened to you before. But one of the things that sometimes happens in our lives that we do to ourselves that that makes peace and joy so elusive is that we get angry about the anger we feel. Or we get depressed over the depression we feel, or we have more anxiety because we're reacted in anger. And so some of this elusiveness to peace and joy is our own self, right? You've had this before. You're trying to do something, and you get so mad it doesn't happen, or you say something, and it just spirals down deeper into anxiety or depression, frustration. And so sometimes it is our own self that makes peace elusive, that makes peace difficult to have. It's also, though, sometimes the enemy. And the enemy has a variety of names in the Bible. He's called the accuser, he's called the devil, Satan. And if we have a wrong attitude towards him, if we don't understand who he is and what his goal is, that means we have two dangers. Number one, we're either unprepared for battle, which means we can easily be taken over, that the enemy can attack us, that the enemy can ambush us and hurt us and steal our peace and joy. And sometimes if we are overly concerned, then our attention becomes focused on the enemy instead of our walk with Christ. So we have to have the right attitude towards our enemies, towards ourself, knowing who we are in Christ knowing that there is an enemy out there trying to discourage us. We also live in a world that wants to bring us down, where there's frustration, where there's bitterness, where there's brokenness. And the world can bring us down. Peace and joy can be extremely elusive. And it's something we all want. It's something we all desire. We think about when we try to go to sleep at night, and the restlessness that we have, the anxiety, the thoughts we have about our lives. What are the, character is, the, character is, the characteristics? Excuse me. If we turn back to Philippians, and let's look here, and we'll, we'll finish up in Philippians chapter 4 and try to understand how we can apply the Christmas theme of peace and joy to our lives. Number one, chapter four, verse four says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Joy is something that can be a part of our lives even during sad times. We have to make a clear distinction between sadness and joy. The Bible clearly teaches that there are times in life where there is sadness when, when people that we love and care about are hurting, that creates sadness in our lives. But the Bible says joy can be had even during times of sadness. Happiness, let's just try to draw just a quick distinction between what Paul is saying here and happiness. Happiness is when things in our world, um, circumstances that are going our way, create happiness. And they're different for everybody right if you um happiness for me um, when my chainsaw chainsaw starts i pull on it and it actually starts i'm like very happy okay that's not joy when the boys get a christmas present or something they like that's happiness when the circumstances around us go well it creates happiness the bible says something very different very profound very meaningful that is not related to happiness that there is joy One sermon I read this week explained it this way, and this is helpful. If you think of joy this way, think of joy as spiritual buoyancy. Spiritual buoyancy. We have a, uh, in my front yard, in our front yard, we have a gray steel buoy. And spiritual buoyancy helps us understand what joy is like. Um, Buoys are out in the in the bay sometimes and here's what they do they float and they stay above the water when life gets stormy the buoys get wet they get knocked around but they stay afloat they stay above the water and this is what the christmas season is about that there is something possible for all of us to have this thing we call joy that creates buoyancy in our lives That yes, we might get knocked around and you might get wet, but you stay afloat. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says this. It's not related to life circumstances. It's an understanding of who you are in Christ. Rejoice always. Understand who we are in our relationship with Christ. Next, Paul talks about peace. And here's what he says. Look at verse 6. He says this, Don't be anxious about anything. Anxiety is the opposite of peace. Anxiety is what brings us down. He says, don't worry about anything. The word here means to be torn into pieces. Don't allow Anxiety to tear you to pieces on the inside. Don't be paralyzed by fear. Don't be paralyzed by stress and worry. That's not the mark of somebody who's finding their identity in Christ. So what are the characteristics? Number one we see in verse 11, the characteristic of peace is this. It's an internal calm that comes from contentment in Christ. Skip down to verse 11. Paul says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, in whatever situation I am, to be content. That is an internal calmness, regardless of the circumstances of life, because you are content in your relationship with Christ. I was thinking this week, you know, the ocean's been um, alive with waves the last few days, and it's amazing what can happen to Zuma Beach when there are storms and how much erosion can happen. If we can just use the, the, the ocean again for an example, if you've been to Big Doom, you know there are rocks there that have been there forever. And the rocks, these huge rocks, can endure the storms of waves beating them, and they just stay steady. Comparing with the sand, one storm, we've all seen this, one storm can take away feet of sand at Zuma. And Paul is saying something very profound here, that we all, this Christmas season, can have an internal calming presence because our contentment, our identity is found in Christ. The the things of the world are the temporary things. And during Christmas season, the things that can take away our peace, that can take away our joy, are focusing on the wrong things. There are so many beautiful things that God gives us. We never want to focus on the gifts instead of the giver. And so we can think about just for a moment in your own life, what are the things that cause anxiety? What are the things that are stealing your peace and joy during the Christmas season, the thing that's really amazing and really significant when we look at Paul's life here is that he is in jail. It's not a time of Christmas bonus, it's not a time of job security, it's a time of brokenness, of poverty, and in jail. And he says something really profound, it's significant, because here's what's happened. Here's what we all do, at least I do this. We'll read something like this, and we'll say, that's Paul. He's some super cool Christian guy or whatever, and that's fine for him, but that's not me. But here's what you have to see, because sometimes we'll think this is a personality type, or this is just a character of somebody. Look at verse 11. He says this, for I have learned. He learned. Everyone can learn contentment. We can no longer rely on the excuse of saying, oh, that's that person. They were born that way. They just have a nice personality. They're extra sweet and make excuses for ourselves. Everybody can learn to find contentment. And if you want peace and joy during the Christmas season, peace comes from an internal contentment which will lead to a calmness in your heart. The second thing we learn about peace is found back up in verse seven. Paul says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there is a protective aspect to peace and joy. In fact, the word here is a military word. that has the idea of a um, a military company surrounding a city and providing peace and rest for the, the, the town folk who will be able to rest that night. Rest knowing that you are safe. Christmas is about peace and joy. Do you have it? Is it elusive for you? Do you understand where to get it? Do you understand what it is and what's available to us? That there is a spiritual buoyancy available to us. That there is a calmness. There is an internal calmness available to us all. Peace is never the elimination of our problems. Joy is never the elimination of our problems, of the pain and struggles that we have in life. But here's what it is. It is a deep confidence that God is still in control of your life. That's why somebody who's sitting in the hospital and is dying of liver cancer can say, I have peace in my life. Because they understand that God is the one who is in absolute control, even during times of difficulty or struggle. Well, what is this secret? What is the secret to attaining this peace and joy? If you skip ahead and we look at verse 12, Paul says this, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in... And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul saying this is tremendously significant as we think through this and allow this to grip our lives. That your peace and joy is not related to circumstances. It's related to understanding the one who gives you strength. Paul says that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is not okay. This is not getting a job promotion. Sometimes this is maybe one of the most misapplied Bible verses in the Bible. This is the ability to say whether I'm a multimillionaire and my income is amazing, my identity is found in Christ, or you're unemployed, poor and in jail, you can say My identity is found in Christ. It has nothing to do with your social standing. In fact, he says this knowing, here's what we would say. If Paul were to say this right after he got his job promotion and got his Christmas bonus, and he could say, life is great, I'm content, I can do all things through Christ. And we would all say, well, that's because life is going great for you. What about me, Paul? Paul is saying this, a broken, soon to be dying man in jail. And this is the secret to life, he says. That who you are in Christ is independent of life circumstances. That real peace, real joy is found in your sufficiency in Christ. Here's the distinction one is self sufficiency. I'll find joy. I'll find peace on my terms. And Paul says, this is the sufficiency of Christ, that regardless of my life circumstances. And Paul has felt them all. And I won't turn to you, but there are passages in the Bible where Paul talks about how rough life was, where he was beaten and abused and taken advantage of, but at times of life where life was going great. Do you have... The peace and joy that Paul is talking about it is the secret sufficiency found in Christ in a world that is driven by independence by self-sufficiency that I can handle this my way that is the secret and this look here's some really here's what Paul does he offers a couple of really specific things to help us unlock the secret and apply it deeper into our lives, okay? Here's what he says. Look back up in the beginning. And he says this, don't be anxious for, about anything, okay? Don't be anxious. Don't live with extreme fear. Don't live with extreme worry. Don't allow that to dominate you because you have the sufficiency of Christ available to you who wants to give you peace and joy. How do we, uh, how do we get this? Here's what he says. Off- Come to God and talk to him about everything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, na- be made known to God. And here's the secret, what he's saying. Even if God does not answer the prayers, your prayers, the way you want to, you still give thanks. You, if we want more depth in our Christian life, he says, give, ask God for anything that's going on in your life. But even if I say no, you still give thanks. This is counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. Of course we say thank you, Lord Jesus, when you give us exactly what we want, which is okay. Paul's not talking about that alone, but in everything. Do you want to know the source then of our stress and anxiety? At the core of it is self-sufficiency and we just put on a nice little Jesus cloak and wrap ourselves in Jesus but at the core of who we are, we we still fight for the self-sufficiency. Paul says, if you want to understand real peace and real joy, this inner calm that's available, you find your contentment in Christ and you do that by thankfulness. Next, he says, Thinking about the right things. Listen, we're all thinking all the time, but are we thinking about the right things? And that's what, and I won't read all this, but in verse 8, he gives this list of things. Fill your mind with these things. What is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is right. Things that are worthy of praise. Do you want peace and joy? Do you want your soul to be calm? Think about these things. And this is, listen, sometimes we don't want to do this. We don't want to think about the implications of the choices we make. We don't even want to think about the, often we don't want to think about the true meaning of Christmas. It's very easy to just engage culturally about Santa Claus and all these things that are fine and good, these traditions we have. Their their traditions have a place think carefully the logical conclusions of things of having listen what causes stress i have to get just the right gift i have to have just the right meal my house has to be perfect i have to be extra nice to my uncle frank who drives me crazy and all this <laughs> pressure about all these things and we're filling our minds with the wrong things and that will make peace and joy elusive last in verse <clears throat> In verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5, he says this. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. How you treat people during the Christmas season matters. This will make peace and joy elusive. This will steal your contentment in Christ. If you retaliate, here's what the word means. This verse means this retaliating in a way that you feel is justified, okay, somebody says something that's mean or hurtful to you and you feel justified to retaliate that back, Paul's saying no. Don't do that. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. So somebody says something that riles you up and offends your pride, Paul says return it with a gentle word. Peace and joy are extremely elusive. We look for them in the wrong places. And the Christmas season is a powerful reminder to go back and look at the shepherds. The message comes to the shepherds, and they look at each other and say, We got to go. We got to go and find out who this Jesus is because he is the only one who offers real peace and real joy. I want to finish up with Isaiah chapter 9. Hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah spoke this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There is a peace available to us all this morning that has no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. That is what the birth of Christ is about. Peace on earth. Enjoy joy to all people. The question is for us this morning, will we look for it in the right places? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God that pursues us, that loves us, that gives us your peace and your joy. Father, I pray that as a community of believers here this morning and for people who are here maybe seeking and asking that we would look first to you to your son Jesus to the baby that the shepherd said let's go and see and find out who this Jesus is father I thank you that you pursue us and that you change us and that through a relationship with you we can have a deep eternal peace and joy And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.